Welcome to the Product Podcast by Product School. Here's a preview of today's talk. So um, for this session, there's four types of customer, voice of the customer, uh, that I'm going to talk about. It's interviews. Um, so this is active listening, going to customers, talking to them whether or not it's on the phone or not on the phone, on site, your friends who are using it, things of that nature. Um, observational, so this is really very passive um, observations of what the behaviors are. And then there's quantitative and qualitative. So quantitative is measuring metrics, things of that nature. And then qualitative is all the stuff I hear and then this is what I'm hearing or interpreting. So, as I said, you know, voice of the customer comes from multiple areas of the business. So, I want to just circle back. VOC, or the acronym they use, is not insights. In this podcast, we teach our listeners valuable lessons about product management and transform them into thinking like a product manager. We teach product management, coding, data analytics, and blockchain in 14 campuses worldwide, including San Francisco, New York, and Seattle. You can find more information at productschool.com. Join our Slack community of 25,000 professionals to network and stay tuned for our upcoming events. So different types of requirements and working with different types of disciplines. Uh, Mom, I got two engineers, a student's Baker Hyper Mountain Climber. I am acronym phobic. So if you use acronyms, I got problems. If I asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. We know this one? Yep. Right? Give the customers what they want, but that's not my approach. People don't know what they want until you show it. That's why I never rely on market research. Anybody know? Who said that? Steve Jobs. Speak up. So you got one and the other. So, you know, what are you supposed to do when people tell you, well, you're supposed to listen to your customer? Go get customer insights. Go get voice of the customer. And yet, here's two great people who say, eh, run that over. The fact is, it is a balance. So what I want to explain is the difference between voice of a customer and customer insights, because that tends to be um, where the confusion begins. So a customer might say, I need a button to be green. Number one, is the customer colorblind? Does marketing want it to match the brand? Is the room green? I mean, it really is getting into that in depth. I need my data to export to Excel. Someone will say, oh, product manager, go. I need that as a requirement. It's the secondary questions. What else does it have to connect to? Why is it driving it to Excel? Um, must use a specific brand. Um, my teenagers use that one. Why? Because they were marketed to buy that brand. There's no specific reason. Um, must be within a certain price frame, time frame, you know. I could save you 50% more time. Are you really going to keep me to that budget? So it's a lot of digging in and pulling that onion back. So um, for this session, there's four types 
of customer, voice of the customer, uh, that I'm going to talk about. It's interviews. Um, so this is active listening, going to customers, talking to them whether or not it's on the phone or not on the phone, on the site, your friends who are using it, things of that nature. Um, observational. So this is really very passive um, observations of what the behaviors are. And then there's quantitative and qualitative. So quantitative is measuring metrics, things of that nature. And then qualitative is all the stuff I hear, and then this is what I'm hearing or interpreting. So as I said, you know, voice of the customer comes from multiple areas of the business. So I want to just circle back. VOC, or the acronym they use, is not insights. Okay? It's information. It's just data. It's what you do with all of those other touch points I mentioned that drive you to a product requirement. And the product requirement that drives you to innovations and R&D development, things of that nature. So insights is the outcome. VOC is the input. So let's talk about um, asking questions. Product managers are notorious, and it's no it's no fault of any product manager. They're notorious for asking leading questions. It's like asking a new mom, having a new mom ask you, is my baby ugly? Mm -hmm. You've spent time coding, <coughs> developing, picking out every single piece of it. You don't want the customer to go, yeah, that's not going to work for me. So you tend to naturally ask questions to get the answers you want, right? So it makes it difficult to get into that mindset. So I have a set of questions or things, uh, advice to do. One is never ask why. When you work for a cu customer, when you work for a company, you're always told, well, go find out why they need to do it. Go find out why. Go find out why, over and over. It's annoying. It's annoying whether or not it's inside your company, it's annoying if it's coming from children or anybody. But it's meant to challenge you. But when you're in front of a customer trying to learn what the opportunity is, you don't want to challenge them. You want to take the insights out of them. So you kind of have to turn it around to say, tell me about your day. Tell me how you use this, right? I'm not asking you why. I'm just prodding you to pull that back. So really, first, first lesson there is don't ask why. Use how. Can you demonstrate? Can you give me a sample? Walk me through it. Listening. Interviews. 80-20 rule. I should be speaking 20% of the time. Customer should be speaking 80% of the time. Basically, you're going to be the therapist. I actually introduced myself to some customers and going, I am not sales, I am not marketing. I am your therapist, tell me all your pains. And then all of a sudden it comes off and they start telling you everything about their day, their problems, the software, their best devices, the worst devices, all of that stuff. And when they wait for you, you kind of just pause, nod your head, and they keep talking. You want information, so you just kind of nod, just let it go. Just like the therapist, as I said. It's a love-hate relationship. If I asked you to name 
your best friends in high school. You could probably name them. I asked you to name the bullies or the, the idiots in the class. You could probably name them too. I asked you to name everybody else in the class. You most likely can't. So when you ask a customer, what is it you love about that laptop? Why did you buy, so instead of why did you buy that water, what drove you to buy that water? Right? Is it, you prefer it? Is there something special about it? Can you give me an example where you would buy another type of water? All of a sudden, I'm trying to test what they really love about it and what they hate about it. Um, I did a interview once and we asked about some features, functionalities. Customers were great. It is so cool. I love this. Product is great. I love this. Can you give me an example of where this would be used in your daily work? Couldn't think of anything. So it's a really cool feature they're never going to use. So it's that kind of prying back and working and understanding, and that's the balance of trying to get there. Um, recent examples in love and hate are some of my favorite questions. What do you love about it? What do you hate about it? And then pressure test it with an example. If they can't give you a use case, it's probably in the middle. And then ask probing questions. These are just a sample, right? What's most important to you in your whole day? And don't limit it to the product. Sometimes innovation comes outside. Asking customers how they would fix a problem in an ideal world doesn't necessarily say, build me a car, but it does get you through some of their pain points, again, uncovering some of their other areas. And again, I always go back to the pressure test. Give me an example of how you would do this, right? So in an ideal world, if you could have the best laptop, how would you look at what would it look like? You're going to name the top things that might be most important to you. And all of a sudden, everything. I need something that's really light. I hate schlepping my bag around. Okay? There you go. That might be most important because it's top of mind. You didn't ask him a leading question. I didn't ask her a leading question. Um, and always tell me more. Right? I always see this. I give questions. I give discussion guides. I develop discussion guides. And people go check, I ask the question, I ask the question. This is not a on-the-phone survey of some sort. This is really needs to be a two-way dialogue when you talk to customers. Make sense? Any questions? No. Do you deal with focus groups at all? I do do focus groups. How do you manage those differently from interviews? So with focus groups, we have done is we have done them blinded and unblinded. So they don't Blinded means they don't know who we are, and unblinded means we do know who we are. So um, if we do a um, unblinded, I'll ask them, you know, what do you know about my company? What products are you familiar with? When was the last time you used one of our products? Um, help me understand how you use your products. Can you give me a use case? So I walk them through that. Then I know if they even know about my newest products, not know about my, and are they using it right or wrong or things of that nature. 
Um, if it's blinded, I actually focus on their um, environment. So um, if you have to do, um, give me some examples of what you guys do for a living. I know you all have jobs. Not all at once. Not all at once. <laughs> Business analysis. We got a PM in the back. So, you know, I observe what you're doing. What software do you use? Uh, there's a lot of different ones, like uh, homegrown kind of software is at the state. I work in the state of Massachusetts. Okay, so, yeah. so homegrown. Yeah. So I'm unblinded. I might make my software. Unblinded means top of mind. He's got to think about it. What beer do you drink? What beer do you drink? I got a room full of people with a beer. What brand do you drink from? Anything. Nothing right now, but There you go. Right? Someone will say, you know, Red Bull. That's unblinded. That means, sorry, that's blinded. That means that they are, you're asking about what they prefer, what they drink, and all of a sudden they're naming the brands without needing any help. That tells them there's a preference there. And that gives you a guide to start prodding why there's a preference. Is it just because they've been using it their whole lives? Or their boss told them to do that? Or is there a price point? Or they don't know? So difference on that. Um, focus groups also go to the next step, which is observation. And that you don't necessarily get in Observations, you get to watch them and interact. How often do they do something? Right? How long does it take? Walk the walk is what I say, um, and take lots of pictures and lots of notes. I love hearing that customers will not let me take pictures. Until you ask, you don't know the answer, and you'll be amazed how many will let you take pictures. Okay? Um, count the steps or clicks, because you might say, um, this is not a problem, I just do my little query, and uh, you click on it, you're watching them do it, and they get up and they get a cup of coffee. And they chat with you and come back. And you're going, do you always get a cup of coffee while that's doing it? Yeah, I always do that, you know, it takes like five, ten minutes. That's not a problem for them that they're aware of. They've already fixed it by saying, I hit the query, I gotta go get a cup of coffee. So. That's the observations you're looking for, right? That you're not going to get in an interview because it's not a pain point. Hey, I get to get to socialize with Susan and Bill. So those are the things. Um, size, shape, use, left-handed, right-handed. Is it male, female? Um, in today's global world, where is it being used? Is it being used in nighttime shift workers? Daytime shift workers, high heat, high dust, cold, you know. Um, demographics. Is it somebody who's 80 years old and has contrast vision problems? Is it somebody who's younger and can type at 150 words a minute? You know, so it's all those observations. And never assume, just watch them and learn from them. So if I ask you to describe it, um, this is actually defined as lean manufacturing. But 
if I told you I went to a manufacturing floor that was a mess without showing you a photo, someone might assume both of those are messes, right? Do I assume the problem that they can't get to was this cable, right? Because I can't get it to there. Or was it this box, which I can easily get to, and now I can't. So it's really important to go on site and see where your customers are using or where they're potentially using these tools. Again, and it doesn't matter if it's software or hardware. I mean, do I have, in my house, you can't have a, a, a bottle open on the desk because I'm always afraid it's going to spill. You might find out you're developing a computer that somebody always spills. You might have software where it's for a certain person or a certain memory or limitations of the chip, the size, all of that stuff. Until you start watching how they're using it, you're making assumptions. And then once you have interviews, stuff like that, pictures, you go back and you go, okay, this is what I think is an ideal product. These are the requirements. And then you start scaling now your assumptions. You're going, okay, I have it. You might do online surveys. That's great. You always get survey monkeys, right? Um, but you actually might retest your new theories with additional customers. Now I have a product that needs to be, um, you know, Windows and this size at this speed that dims after 10 o'clock at night and you know doesn't bing and projects a time. Now go back and test it to a new set of audience and start getting feedback and listening. Um, and definitely, start demonstrating prototypes. Don't be afraid. Um, companies all have you know, non-disclosures, but having them again use the tools will get you, again, closer to what you're looking for as an ideal state. Long forms. So everyone loves reviews, chat, social media, email. Again, I told you, Best friends, worst friends, reviews. I love the product, I hate the product. If you're in the middle of there, read them. No matter what, it could be social media, it could be tweets, it could be emails to a service department, to an IT department, to whatever it is. Pull all of that together, throw it into an Excel, and number one, read it. But um, word clouds, I love these. They're not in style for marketing. But for finding the key words, it's great. Because then, in this case, honesty. Right? Honestly, I hate your company. Honestly, you're the best company. I just know I have to look for honesty in all of that data. So I have qualitative, and now I'm trying to make it quantitative. So objective to subject, subjective to objective. Frustration and frequency. Anybody know what that is? So it's how often a problem happens and how important is it? And so you have low frustration, high frustration. Um, and I'll walk you through an example of that. So you've seen customers, you've talked to customers, you've pressure tested your theories of what the ideal product should be. What are those requirements? So, um, as a product manager, I define what I want. It's up to R&D to tell me how they're going to do it. 
So we come together as a group and we start hearing and gathering all the information we have. Can you come back and you say as a team, you know, we're seeing customers are having this problem at night. We're seeing more women in using this device. And, you know, the um, region is very cold. It's being used in Siberia, right? Customers prefer to do this in the morning or in the evening. So you get together as a team, you pull all of that together. So, uh, horseless carriage. I removed the horse, and now I have an automobile, right? Driverless cars, before they were called autonomous cars, because we were streamlining the process. We removed the step. Cordless became Bluetooth. Paperless is Evo. So you've taken something out, and then all of a sudden it transitions into something new. I want more than one or two CDs, okay? We're not talking about cloud yet. This was 2000, okay? I just need two CDs on this. It's better than two songs. I am not paying 500 to two grand for that song, right? Too many buttons, okay? Which ones are which? Right? This one doesn't even have one. I, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. Okay? Too many buttons. Screens are too small. Can't read what the hell it's playing. Okay, ugly. I don't think anybody would disagree that those were ugly. Um, back then, it was a little guilty. We were not supposed to be doing that at the time. So, this is a low frequency, low frustration. I was downloading music for free. I didn't care, but I kind of a little felt guilty, so it really wasn't a big problem. Um, confused with the interface. What the heck am I doing to get to the music? And it's big and bulky. So now you have the iPod, right? It's simple. There it is. Bigger screen, one-touch click wheel. That was the one button. I think it's fairly easy to go right and left with a play and a pause. And it held more than one song. held lots of songs. And it was held legal music, non-legal music. I could start putting my own home CDs. All of a sudden you had a revolution. And all of this stuff went away. So I looked at what the customers were doing, found out what they wanted, but they're not going to tell me. I learned it from observations. I learned it from hearing their problems, hearing their complaints, watching them, testing them, observations, focus studies. And that's how you get there. Now you have the iPod, yay, the world is a new place. Now, you go, wait a second, I need it to be smaller because we're all running with this thing. This first one was a brick, okay? So all of a sudden we need lighter because everyone's jogging in the morning. I need lighter, I need lighter, teeny tiny. Wait a second, I'm gonna collapse at the time the Nokia's and the um, chocolate bricks uh, into one. So now you have the iPod Touch to the iPhone, and then you had, wait a second, I want to read in bed at night, but I want something larger. I want to start doing some computer stuff, but not on my phone. 
and all of a sudden you have the iPod. So you keep applying and learning once you hit that, and innovation just grows and feeds off of each other so that your products now become a portfolio. Make sense? So if you left here today, what would you do? Well, I tell people, you know, evaluate what you got. You know, are you working with a team that's got your product out in two weeks? Because you're not gonna, it's not gonna happen. Are you starting to brainstorm? Wow, let's get everyone together, let's figure out a plan, let's pressure test, see what we got, right? Define your hypothesis. What is it? The product manager is responsible for the product. I don't want to ask the product manager and go, do you think customers will use this at night or day? Do you think customers will only use it on their iPhones? Do you think customers will have to use it on their Androids? If you can't answer it, we have a problem. You have to have core beliefs as a product manager of what should be true. And then develop develop the questions and take the time to test and develop. Right? Take what you believe to be true about the product that is your baby and really start understanding if the baby is ugly, the baby's beautiful, I doubt it's either. It's usually somewhere in between. And then you can improve on it, learn on it, and then listen to what customers or observe what customers are doing and innovate on it. And then from there, you got really something nice when you leave. Okay? Coffee table used to be damn coffee tables. It held pictures and books and photos. We all carry around everything else, and we carry around a lot of stuff. Look what we're doing to it. Is that innovative? Would that help you at home? She's going yes, she's going no, right? Why would it not? I can ask you why, because I told you not to. But how would this not work in your environment? See how I flipped it around? You don't need this. Okay. What do you have in your living room? Just a couch. Just a couch. How much time do you spend? Not much. There you go. See how I pried that back without asking why? She's never there. So why would I need that? I love this. This was this is what it looked like 15 years ago. And it doesn't even look like this anymore. My back hurts. My tush hurts. Right? And more cushioning. All of a sudden, hey, we're learning about how our spine should. You're taking regular products. Most innovation just comes, including that iPod. It's just reinventing. It's pulling things together. Thanks for listening to the Product Podcast. If you liked this episode, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. If you want to know more about our courses and next courts, visit productschool.com. Stay tuned for the next episode to learn more about the secrets in product management.